the midst of a new sermon series where we're uh, offering our gratitude for God and thinking about all of those things within our faith that maybe we take for granted from time to time. And today we're going to talk about uh, how grateful we are for forgiveness. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 through 35. But before I read that to you, I invite you to bow your heads and join me in prayer. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we come to you now with open hearts, hopeful to hear your word. We pray by the grace of your spirit that the words we hear and the thoughts of our hearts will lead us to your will for all of us as your church and for each of us as your children. Dear God, we love you. We thank you for your love. Amen. So again, Matthew chapter 18, beginning with verse 25. I'm sorry, we'll begin with verse 21. Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? And Jesus said to him, not seven times, but I tell you, 77 times. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. And as he could not pay, his Lord ordered him to be sold, together with his wife and children and all his possessions and payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the Lord of that slave released him and forgave him the debt. But that same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves, who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him by the throat, he said, Pay what you owe me. Then his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. But he refused. Then he went and he threw him into prison until he would pay the debt. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their Lord all that had taken place. Then his Lord summoned him and said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his Lord handed him over to be tortured until he would pay his entire debt. So my heavenly Father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. One of the frequent and running jokes that we have in our family is about how much money my brother and I owe my parents. My dad was a math major in college, and so he often talks to us about a pretend ledger that he has in the house where he keeps tabs of all the things that he has paid for for us. As you might imagine, when we were children, it was a lot. Just every time he bought us lunch, every time we paid for dinner, when he made car payments for us or car insurance payments for us, when he paid for college for us, all of those things, he would often say something to us like, I'll just put that on my side of the ledger. I got into the joke as well because every now and then, especially around Christmas time, when I would get him an ugly tie for Christmas or I would buy him on that occasional rare moment I might buy him a waffle at the Waffle House, I would say, hey, put that on my side of the ledger. I'm starting to even things up here. I would joke with him about that because I knew there was absolutely no way I could repay my parents for all that they had done for me. 
If I tried to quantify that in a real ledger, it probably would be millions of dollars, certainly with my brother and I both. There was no way I could truly repay that to all, both of them. My mom and I had a similar little ledger in a little different way. We would sometimes playfully argue about how much we loved each other. She would begin by saying, I love you with all of my heart. And I would say, well, I love you this much. And I would stick out my arms as wide as I could. And she, with her adult mom arms, would say, well, I love you this much. And it was always a little bit more than I loved her. And then I would say, well, I love you to the moon and back. And she would say, well, I love you times infinity. Me being a little smart aleck kid, I would say, well, I love you times infinity plus one. And she would finally say, well, I love you infinity times infinity. She would always win because there were always no limits to how much my mom and my dad loved me, cared about me, and would take care of me. There was nothing that they would do that if they had the power to do it, they would do it to, to love and care for my brother and myself. And you probably have those people in your own life that would do those things that loved you into being and helped you to get right where you are right now. They would answer my question about love or my question about care or any need that I might have by saying there are no limits to what we would do for you. In many ways, that's how Jesus Christ answers the question that Peter has for him this morning. In many ways, Peter is asking a, a pretty logical question. Jesus, just how many times am I supposed to forgive someone who does me wrong? How many times am I supposed to forgive? As many as seven times? That's a pretty logical question, and I have to be honest with you, as I was reading the passage this time, I thought, seven times is a lot. There's a lot of people that if they had wronged me two, three, four times, I probably would have stopped giving them more chances. In fact, we even say things like, three strikes, you're out, and things like that. But actually, this question has been asked several times throughout Holy Scripture. You might remember back in the Old Testament, there's the, the, the phrase in the law, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. That was actually about setting limits on how much you could get revenge or restitution on someone who had wronged you. When a, a poor person stole something from a rich person, that rich person had the power to not only get that little bit of money back, but actually throw that person into jail and, and take control of their whole family, throw their, their family into slavery and take everything they had. And, and this eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth was a way of setting limits on that to say, no, you, you can't just totally wipe out a family for just stealing just a little bit of money from you. Later in the Old Testament, in the, the teaching of the Pharisees, they, they taught that actually you were supposed to forgive about three times because there's a passage in the, the prophet of Amos that says for three transgressions and for four. That meant that God forgave us three times, and so we should forgive as many times as, as God forgave. And so now here Peter is saying, should we forgive as many as seven times? In many ways, he's extending what has already been taught in the Old Testament and, and by the Pharisees. Are we, are we supposed to forgive as many as seven times? And Jesus, just like Jesus always does, raises the bar a little bit higher. He says, no, you're not supposed to forgive seven times. You're supposed to forgive 77 times. If Peter had just said, are we supposed to forgive to the moon and back? Jesus says, you're supposed to forgive infinity times infinity. More times than you can count. 
Now, that's pretty difficult to do, and yet that's what we're called to do as Christians. We are called to be people of forgiveness. In fact, if you were trying to tell someone else about what it meant to be a Christian, I would say in the first 30 seconds or so, you should start talking about forgiveness because forgiveness is central to who we are, central to what we are called to do and who we're called to be as Christians. As difficult as forgiveness is, that's what we're called to do. We're called to be people who forgive. Really, as I've told you many times, that's what grace really is. I define grace as love that forgives. It's a forgiving love. And when we talk about cheap grace, it's taking forgiveness for granted. When you tell someone about grace, when you tell someone about God's grace of following Jesus Christ, it's about forgiveness because that forgiveness is what is central to who we are, central to our hope, central to our salvation, central to our understanding of who God is and who we're called to be. And yet I would also say as central as it is, it's probably, maybe, the hardest thing God asks us to do. Not only to give forgiveness to others, but at times maybe even to ask forgiveness for ourselves. It is not, does not come naturally to us. It is not an intrinsic part of our behavior to forgive other people. I dare say what is intrinsic to our nature is to, to seek justice, to seek restitution, maybe even to seek revenge when people do things wrong to us. We want our fair share. We want to punish those people who do wrong. That's what our natural instinct is, but God says we're called to forgive. And so if we're going to do that, if we're going to be Christians who forgive, it takes work. It's not something that we can do easily or simply. It's something that we have to practice. It's something we have to work at if we're truly going to learn how to forgive other people. We might, in cases of spilled milk or, or in cases of scraped knees, it might be easy to forgive in situations like that, but, but God calls us to forgive when people truly hurt us. God calls us to ask for forgiveness when we truly hurt other people when we've broken someone or when we've broken their trust, when we've broken our faithfulness, when we've forgotten or, or neglected or, or forgotten people who are truly in need, God calls us to forgive even when the pain is so real and so strong. And it takes a lot of work to do that. The Presbyterian pastor, uh, Carla Pratt Keyes, tells a little story about how hard it is to forgive and how much work it takes. She had a member of her congregation, a, a man, and her, 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 her wife, his wife had been unfaithful to him. And so after getting really angry and frustrating, they tried to go to counseling, but finally he just decided the divorce was the only answer. But even after the divorce, he was still so angry with her. There was just this black hole filling him up. He just couldn't get over the fact that she had betrayed him so much. And he had tried to go to counseling again and again, and finally the counselor offered him a little piece of advice. He said, is there, is there something that you do every single day, a habit that you have? And the man said, well, actually, I, I use my computer every day, multiple times a day, like many of us do. And she, his counselor said, well, why don't you do this? Change your password on your computer to forgive her so that every time you have to use your computer, you have to type those words in. Well, he went home and did that, and he started typing in those words, forgive her, and the first few times it just made him so angry. Why was he the one that had to forgive? But after weeks and months of typing in those words, forgive her, forgive her, forgive her, it started to become a, a new mantra in his mind to, for, to forgive, and he started to look at her in a new way, not just as the person who betrayed him, but as a, a true person, a child of God, someone who had good parts and someone who had bad parts, just like he did. 
And he started to look at himself in a different way, too. He started to realize he was not just the person who had been betrayed, but he was a powerful person, a wonderful person, a person who had the power to be defined not by the betrayal, but by the forgiveness. And so after typing those words in for months and months and months, he finally changed the password to, I forgive her. Not just a command, but a statement. And he realized that after working at it, something was happening. He was starting to heal. That in its essence is what forgiveness is about. And it has more power than anything else to, to heal us. Even more than revenge, far more than restitution even. The power to forgive is the power to heal. And that's why Jesus Christ calls us to be people who forgive. And even though it doesn't come naturally to us, it's something that does come naturally to Jesus Christ. You remember the story of Jesus hanging there on the cross right before he dies. He looks out at all of those people and says, Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. That maybe is what separates us from God the most, is that it doesn't come natural to us to forgive. But God proves God's love to us by forgiving us, almost before we can get the words out of our mouth. I'm sorry, God. God forgives us. And that's why Jesus Christ calls us to give. That's why Jesus Christ calls the disciples to remember this little parable, this parable of this wicked slave who went and asked for forgiveness, this debt that he could never repay, a ledger that was far too deep that he could never repay in a million years. The king forgave him. But how quickly he forgot that forgiveness. And he turned to his other slave and threw him into jail. How quickly we sometimes take our own forgiveness for granted. That if we're going to start the work of true forgiveness, of learning how to forgive other people, maybe even learning how to ask for forgiveness, then we have to start by remembering what we have taken for granted for too long. God loves us, and God has forgiven us. We start by remembering that we have been forgiven and that there's nothing that God has held against us. And so how dare we hold that against others? Years ago when I first came here, I told you this little story, held this little book up to you. It's a book called Forgiveness, and I want to hold it up to you again. It's a, a story about a little community uh, back several years ago, 20 years ago or so, called Nickel Mine, Pennsylvania. It's an Amish community there, and the, the story there tells a, a very tragic story about a, a shooting there in a school where uh, a man who knew the people of that community had delivered milk to them and, and been an active part of the community came into the school and, and shot 10 people and killed five of them before turning the gun on himself. And of course, as you might imagine, when this tragedy happened, media flocked to this community, this community that had based their whole lives on what they believed God wanted them to do. And so their first question was, how in the world could God let something like this happen to you? How do you use your faith to, to explain something so terrible like this? That was the story they wanted to tell. But when they got there, the story changed. It changed to their response to this tragedy because almost immediately these people said, I forgive you. 
They forgave this man of this terrible act, this terrible tragedy that, that none of us could ever imagine. They forgave him. Unless you think that forgiveness was hollow, let me tell you what they did. When money flocked into the Amish community to, to support those people who had lost loved ones, they gave some of that money to the family of the shooter. When no one else would go to that man's funeral, some of those Amish people went by his side and by his family's side and went to the graveside funeral for him. They continued to care and support for that family just like they were a part of, of their own family. And when the media asked, how in the world can you forgive this person? Their answer? Because God forgave us. And so we have to forgive. God forgave us. And so we must forgive. That is radical forgiveness that let me tell you it takes a long time to learn to practice and to work on it takes a long hard time for us to learn how to forgive it's not something that comes naturally to us but it begins when we remember how much jesus christ has done for us how jesus christ has forgiven us because you see that's what love looks like it looks like a god hanging on a cross saying forgive them that's what healing looks like a god who says no 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 not an eye for an eye but love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that's what love and healing looks like a god who forgives us and in those rare moments when we remember in those rare moments when we don't take forgiveness for granted and when we forgive others then just maybe love and healing starts to look like us that's who god calls us to be this day and every day amen